Welcome back to Tip Today. A reminder, Ulta Nesbitt will be with us in the next 15 or 20 minutes or so. So if you have any gardening questions for him to kick off 2024, you can send them in to us now. Log them with us and we'll bring them to him when he's on. Uh, 1800 or text or WhatsApp 083-311-3311. Mountjoy Prison is set to be dug up in the coming weeks after a team of archaeologists were enlisted to help find the remains of prisoners executed in the jail as far back as 1870. A key focus for the work is to find and identify the remains of tip man Harry Gleeson, who became the first man in the history of the state to be given a posthumous pardon when President Michael D. Higgins signed the order exonerating him in 2015. Harry Gleeson was hanged on April 23rd of 1941 after his conviction for the murder of Mary McCarthy. Author of the book Framing of Harry Gleeson is Kieran Fagan and he joins me on the line now. Kieran, good morning. Good morning, Alison. Good to talk to you this morning, Kieran. Now, for anyone maybe who's unfamiliar with the, the Harry Gleeson case, I'm sure there aren't many who are not familiar with it. Could you give us the background to it? Well, it's a very sad story about a man who was working on his uncle's farm. He wasn't in, in, at New Inn. His uncle, um, owned, uh, John Caesar, owned, was farming at New Inn. And he, his nephew, um, went to, Harry Gleeson, went to work for him on the understanding John, John, John Caesar had no children. He'd be, he was married twice without children. And Harry thought the understanding was that when when um, John Caesar and his wife died, the farm would pass to Harry Gleeson. But he was a blow-in, and and that was a problem. Um, it was a good farm of land, you know, on Golden Vale, um, and uh, he. Um, it, it was. When things got bad in that neighbourhood, somebody um, somebody had to had to be to blame, and it turned out to be Harry. Now, what went bad? There was um, a woman called Mulcarthy. I think she was a decent sort of person, but maybe maybe not everybody would agree with me. She lived in a in a, in a pretty much a hovel. Mm. It was a very um, rundown cottage on the edge of Jack Caesar's farm, um, on a little bit of land on the edge of Jack Caesar's farm. Jack Caesar's farm surrounded it on, almost on three sides. And um, she lived, she she had, um, she was selling sex. I mean, that's there's no other way yeah. to put it. Um, she had no other source of income. She was a she was a very good mother, and she looked after her kids as best she could. But she she was having sex with local men, and she was having children as a result. And the children were going to lo- the local school, not Grafton National School. And and um, the respectable people of New Inn were jumpy about this. They were jumpy about their menfolk. Um, Getting involved in with this woman, they were jumpy about her um, the, the possibility of, though it, I don't think it existed, of Mal's children inheriting the farms of those who's, 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 who had fathered them. Mm. And and there's a dreadful scene described um, uh, where Mal goes down to the. Not Graffin School, 
school to collect her kids one one day, and um, the other women are doing the same. And she tells the other women not to be looking so hard at their children. They're as good as as their children. Her children are as good as theirs. Didn't they have the same fathers? Um, so she wasn't very popular, and an attempt was made to burn her out of her cottage. And this uh, this was, um, I'm not suggesting that everybody supported it, but mm. enough people were not on were were happy enough to see something done about her. But in the in the end, she got damages for the. Um, for the for for the attack on our cottage, the roof. It was a thatched cottage, and the roof was burnt off. But, and she got twenty five pounds um, in damages, which was a considerable sum at the time. Her family was growing all the time. There were two children when at the time of the the fire in nineteen twenty six, and she had four more. In fact, she had seven children in all. But the last one, and this was just before she was murdered in 1940, the last one um, was sickly and died and died almost in infancy. Three months, I think, the child survived. Uh, Kieran, is um, there any truth to the speculation that she was pregnant at the time she was murdered? No, I, there's not. No, there's not. A, the, the autopsy shows otherwise. Okay. Um, she wasn't. Um, we now, I, when I wrote my book, I was able to identify the six fathers. Um, uh, in fact, um, I, since since it's been published and it's, it's out of print now, but um, I've identified, I've pretty confidently identified the father of the seventh child. He was one of the previous six. Right. But um, there was something else going on um, in in in. South Tip, the guards had a, there's this guard station with four four guards in this in New Inn, and um, they they were they were trying to maintain law and order, but um, a lot of people didn't really look to them as as being the guardians of the peace, as it were. Mm. The local IRA, um, old IRA men. Um, were pretty good at um, solving local problems, or so it seemed. And sometimes uh, they would administer rough justice quicker than um, than the guards would do, because mm. the guards had procedures and to follow, and they had to stay within the law and all that sort of thing. And the threat of action from somebody who had seen service in the third brigade of the old of the old IRA was um, was a much more um, much more effective deterrent. And uh, the the people who are cause, calling the shot the shots really in, in, in that area were were, were were former members of the third brigade of the old IRA, mm-hmm. and the, the Ireland had just De Valera had just had just made the decision that Ireland would stay neutral during the war. He was his support came from from people who had been in the IRA and are were IRA sympathetic and that that um he he was walking a tightrope with um 
with neutrality. De Valera was. A lot of people just thought that England's, England's difficulty is Ireland's opportunity. So there was a very uneasy uh, relationship between the old IRA and the guards in, 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 in lots of places. And South Tip was, was one of them where, where the IRA tradition was very strong. Um, and it was, in fact, um, the old IRA who had been responsible for the fire in um, Miles Cottage and, and um, uh, they were two, two, two of them were involved in the murder of Mall. She, it was, they thought they were doing some kind of um, police work. You know, here is an immoral woman having having children willy-nilly by this one and that one, and they would do something about it. They actually thought they were doing... It, it was mad, but mm. they thought they were doing society some good. And tell us, how was Harry Gleeson then implicated? Well, Harry was Harry was working on, on Jack Caesar's farm, and he um, uh, he 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 was um, he was friendly towards um, Mal. They they were, you know, he talked to her over the fence. He'd give her a few potatoes. She was very hard up. Um, he'd give her a few potatoes when nobody was looking. He may even had have had a relationship with her of some kind. We don't know. That's a that's speculation. Mm. But when when. Mal was lured to a a house, Lynch's farmhouse, a disused farmhouse nearby in, uh, I think, to have sex with somebody, a customer, as it were. Um, she was lured to that and she was murdered there by four men, four local men. They left the body in, in, in the field uh, on Jack Caesar's farm where Harry... Um, Found it the following morning when he was check- he was out checking where the she- his uncle's sheep were, so he was the first to find the body and he he told he told the police a lie. He said he wasn't he didn't recognise her in lying in the field. There was a dog on top of her. He just looked over the over the um, the, the um, ditch, saw the body lying in the field. Her face had been blown away. Um, by a shotgun, but she had very rem- remarkable red hair. She was a very good-looking woman. She was 38, 39 at this stage, but she's still a very good-looking woman. And he went to, he, he went off to the police and, and told them what had happened, but said he didn't recognise her. And and nobody believed him. And that, that kind of put him in the frame. I'm not certain that the the people who murdered her necessarily wanted to frame Harry mm, yeah. Barrett, but it he he stepped very neatly into the picture and how and much of a, was, of a role Kieran do you think his defence counsel played because his defence counsel at the time was Sean McBride who I'm sure many well, would have known as as former IRA chief of staff and a future minister then as well so how did that play into well what, you, what you could write a whole book about John McBride was a was the most brilliant lawyer at the Irish Bar at the time, despite the fact that he was only recently um, qualified um, when he gave up being chief of staff of the IRA. And he was he was a very good... He was 
feared by the other lawyers um, because he he would very often humiliate them in court by by pointing out very obvious things they'd missed, and he had done so to this ju- to the judge in this case. He'd actually been um, Maguire. He'd, he'd been up against Maguire when before Maguire was a judge. They'd been on opposite sides of um, a, um, a discussion about a, a challenge to the Offences Against the State Act, and and McBride won a stunning victory against him. So. He was a good choice and he was a bad choice mm. um, in, in that um, the rest of the legal establishment wanted, hated him for his brilliance, distrusted him because of his IRA background. Um, and, and he also had a very, um, people, people who may have heard him speak, he had a very odd way of speaking. He, he had a French accent and that and a lisp made, made him... Um, it made it sometimes he seemed difficult and exotic to the um, certainly to the jury, which was a, uh, members of members of the Dublin middle class who wouldn't have had any time for him. Yeah. Uh, he he. But he kept. You have to say this. He kept very good notes, and we. Pro- it's probable. Pos- it's pos- Sorry. One could argue that although he didn't defend um, Gleeson very well, he didn't um, go for the his comrades in the IRA, whom he knew yeah. had carried out the murder, but he didn't attack them. He he, he attacked the prosecution case on, on purely legal grounds. You haven't proved it. You haven't proved it. He didn't offer an alternative um, narrative in court, and, and, that's, and that was wrong. But... Um, so, Kieran, when we had, when was Harry sorry, executed then, and why was, do we uh, not know? April. I think the murder was um, November. Um, I might be wrong. It might be October. November 1940. He was hanged um, in April, and the following year. It was very quick. Mm. I mean, there wasn't time for a proper um, appeal or anything like that. Do you think that might have been done on purpose? I I I, I was. The, there were greater forces at play. Yeah. Um, era was fighting again to to deal with the the threat posed by the IRA in that in, in all over the country. He was he was trying to keep the lid on 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 um, the con- the consensus on neutrality and um, and and things got rushed through. But I don't think they were rushed through to do down Harry. I think Harry was just, um, just had, yet again, was in the wrong place at the yeah. wrong time. And we're in a situation now where archaeologists will now be involved in the coming weeks and coming months to try and locate his remains at Mountjoy Prison. How hopeful would you be that his remains can be found? Well, well, I have no inside knowledge on this, but I have been observing the um, behaviour of the Department of Justice in in the way it has handled this um, since the Minister Alan Shatter um, uh, started the process which led to the successful appeal. And unlike your previous speakers, I, I am impressed by how they've handled it. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, they, they, I, I don't think they, they have. They, they, they could be criticised maybe for not going faster, but I think they've got it right, and I think, I think there's a very good chance that they will have Harry, um, Harry's remains, and that they can be as, as, um, as his nephew, uh, grand nephew, um, Kevin. Um, uh, says reburied in the old cemetery at Holy Cross. Mm. So I think I think people have to remember this is also also a good story. The present generation has has recognised the wrong. Uh, he um, Harry Gleeson got the first, um, as you said in your introduction, he got the first um, pardon, um, posthumous pardon, and um, and 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 it was done. Uh, well and in a dignified way, there was no hiding it or anything like that, mm. and and this was all brought about by by people like like Kevin Gleeson and his father Tom, Sean Delaney and his wife Mary, um, all connections of the Gleesons and 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 um, and, and other people. It's a, it's a it's a it's a mature society doing remedying an, uh, an old wrong. I, th- yeah. I think it's a good news story. It is, but Kieran, can I ask you, um, and I know, I'm trying to be sensitive when I ask this, but I know in the years that we've covered this story here, there is still, from what I'm aware of, there is still some bad feeling locally in relation to this story. Do you think that has eased at all over recent years? Well, I don't live in Tep... Yeah. Um, I'm a, you know, I'm a a blow in from South County, South County Dublin, um, but uh, I, I put that down to embarrassment. Um, as, 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 I mean, there are people who are there are people listening who are descendants of those who um, who took part in the murder. Yeah. Right. And 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 there's a, and there's also the guilt thing that that very few people in UN spoke up for Harry in, in his hour of need. Now I know the parish priest did, um, discouraged them from doing that, and I think the I think the the archdiocese uh, has 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 some uh, has an apology to make over that. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, the two priests in succession uh, were um, very. Behaved very badly towards Malkarthy, but the other people behaved well. And um, and but I, I, I to answer your question, I I think there's a residual embarrassment. I wouldn't say guilt, but mm. embarrassment. And they just wish this thing. A lot of people wish it would go away. Well, when Harry's body comes up, up and is properly buried properly with his with his own people. I I think that think that that will will go away. Mm. Um, I no, no I my book has not been um, it tells the whole story. I'm not trying to sell it. Yeah, no, I give it a plug here and why not? Uh, well, it's out of print. But <laughs> thanks, Alison. But um, it's never been seriously challenged. Yeah. And it was written independently of the campaign for um, Harry Gleeson's innocence. The, the the campaign and I were completely separate. And the the first the campaign people knew about my findings mm. was when when the book was published. They never they they never knew anything. We just both arrived at the same place. 
starting at different destinations. Absolutely. It's going to be a great day when Harry is reburied. It and will. I think he and you, will be. you would hope it, it, will, it will bring some closure to this. As ah, yes, I, I do. And yeah. I mean, when, when, you, when we, get, we get things wrong and then we get them right, when, when we get them right, we're, we're, I think we can then move on. Absolutely. Kieran. I'll have to leave it there for this morning, but it was Thanks. a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Alison, for letting me talk. No, my pleasure. Thanks, Kieran. That's Kieran Fagan there, who's author and former journalist, uh, wrote the book Framing of Harry Gleeson. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.